Harriet the Spy by Louise Fitzhugh. Part 3, Chapter 15. When Harriet woke up, it seemed very late in the morning. She had been awakened not by her mother calling her, but by an angle of the sun hitting her face. She sat straight up in bed. She couldn't hear anything from downstairs. She got up quickly, dressed, and ran down, feeling vaguely as though something was wrong. No one was in the dining room. In fact, the table wasn't even set. She ran down to the kitchen, narrowly missing the cook who dodged aside just in time. Where's my breakfast? Lunch, most likely. What do you mean? It's 12 o'clock. You sure slept a long time. Why didn't you wake me up? I'm late for school. Don't yell at me or I'll quit. Your mama said not to wake you up. Where is she? Upstairs, both of them. In there talking about you. Where? What do you mean? Harriet felt frantic. Up there. Enjoying herself, the cook gestured upstairs in an offhand way. Harriet turned and ran up the stairs. The library door was closed. There was a, the murmur of a voice coming through the door. She kept cr crept closer. Then she heard her father talking on the phone. Well, Dr. Wagner, let me ask you this. Yes, yes, I know she's a very intelligent child. Yes, well, we're well aware uh, that she has a lot of curiosity. Yes, a sign of intelligence, yes, quite right, I would say so. Now, doctor, the thing is, yeah, yes, I think she just might make a writer. What? A project? Oh, school, yes, I think. Uh, yes, we'll call the principal. A few days absence? Well, I think that can be arranged. But you're sure, absolutely sure, that she's all right? Yes, yes, exceptional. Yes, well, I think we know that. What? Oh, yes, well, as I explained, she left... Uh, but you think, uh, yes, I see. Well, I think we have her address somewhere. You think that would be a good idea? I see. Yes, I see. Yes. Well, thank you very much, doctor. You've been a great deal of help. Yes, I understand. And, and I agree with you. She always listened to her. Yes, a regression. Yes. Uh, one more thing, doctor. You're sure? Yes, quite sure. Oh, uh, good. Uh, well, thank you again. Goodbye. Harriet's ears were standing out from her head. Of course that's me, she thought. Of course I'm intelligent. He thinks we should mumble, um, mumble to mumble, mumble. Oh, how irritating. When he wasn't shouting into the phone, her father couldn't be heard. That's a splendid mumble. Mrs. Welsh couldn't be heard either. And then the school, a mumble, perhaps a project which, she, which would mumble her to mumble herself. Then this mumble wouldn't dominate. Then more attention, of course, but I should call... Miss Whitehead, and get this mumble started. He's no fink, you know. I think we should listen to him. Of course, I think it's all grand. And he says she's not mumble? Not in the least. In fact, quite the mumble. She is, she's an extraordinary mumble and might make a good mumble someday. How infuriating. Just what one dreams will happen. I always wanted to hear people talk about me, thought Harriet, and now I can't hear it. Suddenly the doorknob turned. Harriet leaped back, but not quickly enough. She decided to make the best of a bad scene. Boo! She yelled loudly. Her mother jumped. Good Lord, you frightened me, Harriet. What are you doing there? Were you spying on us? Nope, couldn't hear. Uh, well, it's not because you didn't try. Have you had your breakfast? No. Then run down and get it. You won't be going to school today, dear. I know. I heard that. What else did you hear? Come on, Harriet. Out with it. Mrs. Welsh closed the door quickly as she heard Mr. Welsh say, Hello, Miss Whitehead? Nothing, Harriet said. Honest, honest. All right, run along and eat then. I have to write a letter. I wonder, she thought. I wonder, Harriet thought, what is up? 
She was still wondering two days later and no wiser. She had had time to catch up on a lot of spy work, but she was surprised to find that on the third day away from school, she was beginning to miss it. She had covered her spy route the first two days, giving ample time to each case, but there really hadn't been much going on. Little Joe Curry was reinstated after he said he was just hungry. This touched the heart of Mama DeSanti. The next day, however, he was caught with a whole ham. Harriet was there when this happened. It was very exciting because not only was he caught stealing the ham, but he was caught at the instant he was giving it to three of the happiest looking children anybody ever saw. Harriet wrote in her notebook, that was a scene I'm glad I saw because I would have guessed that Mama DeSanti would have bopped him over the head when she saw, bopped him over the head. But when she saw the children, she burst into tears and commenced wailing and giving the kids everything in sight. Even a whole long salami. Then she shooed them away and told them not to come back or she'd call the cops. People are very funny. She didn't fire little Joe. She told him he better see a doctor. He eats too much. Mrs. Plummer was told by her doctor that she could get up. As far as Harriet could see, she hadn't hit the bed since, but flew from one party to the next all day, did charity work incessantly, and according to her phone conversations, the next day stayed out half the night too. The Robinsons showed a lot of people their doll. The DeSanti family, other than the incident with little Joe, had a fairly uneventful week. Fabio was working hard, even harder than Bruno. Flanca flunked some test or other and came home in tears. Dino, the baby, got the chicken pox, so Mama DeSanta had to stay home with him. The most surprising thing was Harrison Withers. Harrison went by expecting to see him moping about his cats. And there he was, humming and working on a cage in the happiest way possible. She couldn't understand it. He even got up and ate some lunch. He actually made himself a tuna fish sandwich and had a Coke. Harriet leaned back against the wall and wrote, I just can't understand this. Oh, I know. Maybe he didn't have enough money to eat good before because he had to buy all those kidneys. Or maybe he couldn't ever eat tuna and he likes tuna. Maybe the cats always grabbed it. She leaned over the parapet again to study the problem at length. Harrison Withers was humming away, even tapping his foot as he worked. She watched, puzzled, until suddenly he looked up in the direction of the kitchen door. Then she saw it, into the room as though he co-owned it, to the accompaniment of loud cooing and baby talk from Harrison Withers, walked the tiniest cat Harriet had ever seen. It was a funny-looking little black-and-white kitten with a mustache, which made it look as though it were sneering. It stopped and looked at Harrison Withers as though he were a curiosity, then walked disdainfully across the room. Harrison Withers watched in adoration. Harriet leaned back and wrote, So that's it. Wonder where you got that cat. I guess if you want a cat, you run into one someplace. <laughs> they aren't going to change Harrison Withers. For some reason, as she walked home, Harriet felt unaccountably happy. On the third day, Harriet woke up and found herself really wishing she were going to school. She didn't say anything to her mother, however, because she didn't want to go that much. In the afternoon, she decided to go and see what was happening at the clubhouse. She waited until time for school, until it was time for school to be out. Then she went over and crawled under, over the fence to her post. Rachel came home, bringing Marion Hawthorne with her. They walked sedately. They walked like old ladies, thought Harriet. Rachel, don't you think it would be nice if we could play bridge in the afternoons? Marion had a kind of cawing voice like a crow. Well, said Rachel, I don't know. Oh, that's easy. I've watched my mother lots of times, said Marion authoritatively. Why don't we play Mahjong? I like that. 
Well, I think bridge is much chicer, but if you want to, we will. Do you have a set? Yes, that is mother does. Bridge? Mahjong? Who were they kidding? Wait till sport hears about this. Beth Ellen arrived. Rachel and Marion looked curtly in her direction. I think, said Marion, that we should uphold a certain standard in this club. Yes, said Rachel, although she looked as though she hadn't the foggiest idea what Marion was getting at. Don't you, Beth Ellen? Marion asked pointedly. Yes. This came out very small. I mean, I think we have to be very careful who we take in and, she looked around darkly, who we keep in. Oh, said Beth Ellen, you mean like a country club? Yes, said Marion, exactly. I think that anyone who wants to have a social life in the afternoon should be welcome. That is, she added mysteriously, that is if they're the right kind of person. Yes, said Rachel. Yes, whispered Beth Ellen. I think, and I don't know how you'll feel about this, Marion drew herself up until she looked like her mother. But I feel that in view of the fact that I'm the class officer, I should be president of the club. Well, thought Harriet, it's a good thing for you I'm not in this club, because you'd get it right across the head. I therefore nominate myself for president. I second it, said Rachel. She must second things in her sleep, thought Harriet. Motion carried, screeched Beth Ellen in a fit of helpless giggles. Marion frowned Beth Ellen into silence. Now that's now that that's settled, I shall make a few decisions. First, I think we should serve tea. My mother isn't going to like that, said Rachel. Well, not really tea, just milk and teacups. We do have to learn, you know. She isn't going to like that either, the cup part. Well, we can each bring our own cup. Second, we have to set up a card table and chairs. Third, she stood up and pointed her fingers as though she were knighting them. I make you vice president, Rachel, and you are the secretary treasurer, Beth Ellen. What do I have to do? Beth Ellen looked terrified. You take minutes, collect the money, and serve the tea. Oh, in other words, thought Harriet, everything. I think we should also discuss who, people who have the wrong attitude. Marion was liking her job more and more. I think we were all aware at the last meeting of a very wrong attitude coming from Sport and Janie. Naturally, you idiot, thought Harriet. Wait till they find out you're president. Just as the others began to arrive from school, a sudden rainstorm drove them into the clubhouse. Harriet watched a, a minute to see Sport and Janie across the yard, the last ones to arrive. Then Harriet ran with all her might, but she was still soaked through by the time she got home. Upstairs, when she pulled off her wet spy clothes and had gotten into her bathrobe, she wrote a long account of what she had seen, adding at the end, Marion Hawthorne is getting too big for her britches. She's going to get it. Three days later, Harriet was bored to extinction. She had played town all morning in her room, and she was beginning for the first time in her life to be bored with her own mind. She was just about to throw her notebook across the room when she heard the doorbell ring. She jumped up so fast and ran as fast as she could downstairs. Her mother was at the front door taking a special delivery letter from the postman. What's that? asked Harriet eagerly. Well, I do believe, said her mother scrutinizing the letter, that it's a letter for you, Harriet. Her mother smiled at her. Who from? Why, I haven't the faintest idea, her mother said casually, and handing Harriet the letter, disappeared into the library. I never get letters, thought Harriet, and tore open the envelope. She recognized the handwriting at once. Dear Harriet, I've been thinking about you, and I've decided that if you're ever going to be a writer, it is time you got cracking. You're 11 years old and haven't written a thing but notes. 
Make a story out of some of those notes and send it to me. Beauty is truth, truth beauty. That is all ye on earth and all ye need to know. John Keats. And don't you ever forget it. Now, in case you ever run into the following problem I want to tell you about. Naturally, you put down the truth in your notebooks. What's the point of it if you didn't? And naturally, these notebooks should not be read by anyone else. But if they are, then, Harriet, you're going to have to do two things, and you don't like either of them. Number one, you have to apologize. Number two, you have to lie. Otherwise, you're going to lose a friend. Little lies that make people feel better are not bad, like thanking someone for a meal they made even if you hated it, or telling a sick person they look better when they don't, or someone with a hideous new hat that it's lovely. Remember that writing is to put love in the world, not use it against your friends. But to yourself, you must always tell the truth. Another thing, if you're missing me, I want you to know that I'm not missing you. Gone is gone. I never miss anything or anyone because it all becomes a lovely memory. I guard my memories and love them, but I don't get in them and lie down. You can even make stories from yours, but remember, they don't come back. Just think how awful it would be if they did. You don't need me now. You're 11 years old, which is old enough to get busy at growing up to be the person you want to be. No more nonsense. Old golly, Waldenstein. When she finished reading, Harriet had a wide grin on her face. She ran upstairs holding the letter like a treasure found on the beach. She ran into her room, sat at the desk, and read it over twice. Then she took out some clean paper and a pen. She sat holding the pen over the paper. Nothing happened. She referred to her notes. Still, nothing happened. Then she jumped up, ran down to the library, and lugged her father's typewriter up the steps. With a great deal of effort, she hoisted it up to her desk. The first piece of paper she tried to write on got jammed and too wrinkled to write on. She tore it up and put in another one. Then she started to type furiously. Harriet went back to the school the next day. It felt like the beginning of term again. She strolled down the empty halls considerably late because she wanted to make a grand entrance. Her father and mother hadn't been there when she got up, so she decided to sneak off to school. Enough is enough, she thought to herself as she walked past the principal's office. She decided suddenly to make a note of how she felt as she wedged herself into a little niche usually reserved for a piece of sculpture. Enough is enough. It is time to rise and shine. Wait till the New Yorker gets a load of that story. It was hard making him up, making up him, finding the cat, but I think I made up a good moral that that some people are one way and some people are another, and that's that. The door to the principal's office opened and Harriet looked up. To her horror, she saw her mother and father walk out. She ducked back into the niche. Maybe, she thought, if I don't breathe, I'll look like a statue. She held her breath and her mother and father walked past without seeing her. They were laughing and looking at each other so that, so that even though she rolled her eyes at them, they didn't notice. Boy, wait till she hears that, her father was saying. She'll be, I'm afraid, impossible to live with, her mother said, grinning. You know what, said Mr. Welsh, I bet she'll do a good job. They went out the front door and Harriet let out a huge breath. I almost burst, she thought. She scrambled down and ran for a classroom. When she got there, everything was in total confusion because Miss Elson wasn't in the room. Everyone was throwing things at everyone else, including wads of chewing gum, and Marion Hawthorne was at the front desk screeching herself blue for order. No one played the slightest bit of attention to her, but went on with such chaos that Harriet was able to slip gratefully into her seat unnoticed. 
At home, she had thought about making some spectacular entrance, perhaps in a funny hat. But when she got to the door, she had been stricken with terror, and now she was glad she hadn't. She sat there, quietly looking at everyone screaming and running around like nuts. She wrote in her notebook, I'm going to write a story about these people. They are just rats. Half of them don't even have a profession. Ms. Allison came in, and there was an instant silence. Everyone trooped to his desk. Sport looked like he would faint when he saw her. Harriet and Janie smiled an evil smile at her. No one else seemed to notice. Miss, seemed to notice. Miss Elson stood up. Well, I'm glad to see you're back with us, Harriet. She smiled sweetly in Harriet's direction, and ten necks swiveled like keys turning in locks. Harriet tried to smile at Miss Elson and glare at the others, but this being impossible, she got an idiotic look on her face. I'm particularly glad, continued Miss Elson, because I have a special announcement to make about a change in school policy. What in the world, thought Harriet, does that have to do with me? You are aware that we always let you elect your class officer and that the class officer has always automatically been the editor of the sixth grade page. However, we have decided that this is too much work for one person. Marion Hawthorne gasped audibly and have therefore decided that here and after the teacher will select someone else to be editor. We have made this choice on the basis of ability. In looking over all the compositions handed in by the class, Ms. Whitehead and I decided that several of you have a flair for writing and that these few should take turns having the editorship. The selection has been made and the editor from now on for this half of the year, she paused dramatically and smiled, will be Harriet M. Welsh. You could have heard a pin drop. Harriet stared at Miss Elson in disbelief. They all looked at Miss Elson. No one looked at Harriet. Harriet has been chosen, she continued, for the first half of the year, and Beth Allen for the second half. That means Harriet will write the page for this semester and Beth Allen next semester. The others will have their chance next year. Beth Allen turned beet red and almost passed out. Harriet looked around her. Everyone was looking at either her or Beth Allen, which was causing Beth Allen untold embarrassment. There seemed to be general uneasiness in the room. Miss Elson looked unconcerned, and picking up a textbook, she said, And now today, children, we have studied. Miss Elson, Marion Hawthorne was on her feet. I want to register a protest with the school on behalf of a group which I happen to be president of and which, by general agreement, has decided that this decision is unfair to the class. The great majority which belong, of which, Marion, Miss Elson collected, corrected to this club of which I am president. Now, therefore, that's enough, Marion. Sit down. I think you have made yourself clear. I would like to know when you have had the time, however, to amass the great tide of public opinion. I didn't even see you asking anyone after I spoke. Marion sat there, unable to think of a thing. I think, therefore, just to enlighten you as to the opinions of your following and for no other reason that we should take a vote. I want to make it perfectly clear that the only thing this vote will elicit is a talk with Miss Whitehead. I doubt very seriously that it is all possible to change the decision. I am sure it is too late. But I do think we might make this an interesting experiment in terms of democracy. It has long been my opinion that no one, that one never knows the outcome of a vote no matter how sure we, are, we think we are. And Marion seems terribly sure. I think we should see, therefore. Now, I want hands raised on how many of you want Harriet and Beth Allen to take over for this year. Marion and Rachel clenched their hands firmly to their sides as though they might rise of their own accord. Marion actually sat on hers. Harriet and Beth Allen naturally voted for themselves. 
Harriet's arm flying up like a Nazi salute, and Beth Ellen's creeping tentatively and trembling as though she were waving. Two and two, thought Harriet. Sport's hand went up. He thinks what Marion writes is stupid, thought Harriet. It has nothing to do with him being on my side. Janie's hand went up. Same for her, thought Harriet. She just wants to be able to read the paper. Lord Peters, Pinky Whitehead, and the boy with the green socks did not have their hands up. Uh-oh, thought Harriet. That makes five to four. Or have they just not decided? Where is Carrie Andrews? Absent today. Very slowly, and in his own particularly creepy way, Pinky Whitehead put his hand up. Well, thought Harriet, I'd never thought I'd see the day when Pinky Whitehead would save my life. He looked back at her. She gave him a radiant smile and felt like a first-class hypocrite. That, said Miss Elson, decides it. I think we can learn from this children, and particularly Marion, not to count your eggs before they vote for you. Beth Allen giggled helplessly, then stopped and looked around at everyone as though she were suddenly aware of her responsibilities.